Hi everyone, today I have our very own Lindsay Mason with me from Cura. Hi Lindsay. Hi Catherine. We are going to be talking about Lindsay's experiences this year, which I think everyone is going to agree have been quite intense. It's going to be a very emotional podcast, so, so please prepare yourselves that we are going to be talking about um, people having passed away, um, sort of generally things that have happened during lockdown, and I hope you are okay listening to but um, we're also going to be talking about how things were when Lindsay made an insurance claim and some of the support services that she was able to access. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So, Lindsay, how are you doing? I know we've, um, we're obviously going to be talking about something quite emotional, but let's just sort of get into things nice and gently. How's your weekend been? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay, I think. I think that's the, 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 the answer I give through lockdown. <laughs> People yeah. ask if I'm okay. I'm like, I think I'm okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, we've had a, a good weekend. The weather's turned a bit grey on the Yorkshire coast this weekend, but we managed to get out and go down to the beach, do a bit of fossil hunting, but um was unsuccessful in finding some gems mm. but um some some milkshake and some chips were a good um consolation afterwards so yeah absolutely quickly nice. distract the kids there's no fossils yeah. but it's okay milkshake <laughs> absolutely best distraction technique I always find when we go to the beach here that like I come back with I have to take freeze bags down for the kids to fill with just random rocks and shells and you know they try and convince me that some of them are fossils and things and it's just like you just end up with like so many rocks and the car and it's just like okay. that's it or a really pretty they'll say oh this is so pretty this rock and you're yeah. like hmm okay yeah. <laughs> it's beige yes it's <laughs> Before we get really into things and everything, we do have our Truth or Lie feature from the last podcast. And uh, in that, Sue Kinsella said that her favourite chocolate bar is a Mars bar. And I said that my favourite chocolate bar is a Twix. So who do you think is telling the truth? Okay, I'm going to go <laughs> with a pattern here okay. and say that <laughs> you were lying, Catherine. Because I know you like the finer things in life and the finer <laughs> chocolate in life. And a Twix is not one of them. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> so I'm going to have to catch people out some point. I'm getting actually a bit personally offended. That I'm not catching anyone out with these. <laughs> I do like the, the rather rather nice chocolates. Yes. I do like the, the, the finer things. But um, I say though, I did have a Twix the other day. It was mainly because we didn't have any of the sort of like the, the nicer, sort of like fancy dark chocolates in. And I went to the kids' chocolate thing and I was just like, you know what, I'll have a Twix. I haven't had one of them in years. It was lovely. It was lovely, and then after it was just like, oh, I really didn't need that, and it actually really wasn't that lovely. No, it, it wasn't a green and blacks. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't a green and blacks. So, Lindsay, obviously you work at Cura um, on, as our marketing executive, and I'm sure that most of our listeners have seen you on social media and seen all the incredible stuff you've done in regards to charity work on behalf of Cura and personally, and and obviously as well all of our branding and everything. You've just come on and absolutely stormed it this past year. It's been incredible. Thank and you. Yes, well, you definitely deserve it. And obviously you do all this stuff for me now with the podcasting and everything like that. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. But, but today we're not going to be focusing upon your work, even though we should absolutely have a podcast episode focused upon you. Um, we're going to be focusing about things that have been happening to you this year. Are you okay to talk about things with everybody? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, just as you're ready, then you just let us know and tell us what's, what's been going on. Right, well... Um... I'll start maybe a few more years back. Um, my my mum was diagnosed with um, 
cancer of the colon and secondary cancer of the liver back in June of 2018. Um, an absolute complete shock, I think, as it is with, with anyone who has that diagnosis, um, you know, to, to her and, and to, to all of us as a family, really. You know, we'd never really been affected by cancer so closely before and um you just sort of mosey on through life you know you, you hear of these things happening and you, you feel kind of untouchable and um and and I, I felt quite guilty feeling like that as well um but it can just happen to, to anyone um that's the scary thing um, my mum was yeah. I'd say a healthy woman you know uh, in her 60s um but yeah so complete bolt out the blue really complete shock um so she quickly started um, chemotherapy um but was told that the cancer was incurable it was just a case of this treatment was gonna stop any spread and um just sort of manage it the best way that it could really to, to give her a, a bit more of a prolonged life um and i mean she was incredible just took it all in a stride kept she so really yeah kept so positive and that just resonated through us all and um we we just that that positivity was was such a, a strength and even a consultant had said to her you know you, your attitude is gonna help you through this yeah. massively so um yeah but um sort of after various treatments and um the ups and downs of, of chemo with the various infections and um, sometimes the temperature was too high for the treatment so yeah it, it wasn't completely smooth sailing as I, as I imagine it isn't for a lot of people um, so mum passed away this year um, in February um, just the 2nd of February she had a week's stay in um, our local hospice um, it, it's something that she had wanted to do she wanted to go to the hospice so we all respected that decision and you know we we, we were able to have that week with mum and sort of make memories even in that last week you know took yeah. the kids up there and we shared ice cream together and you know I stayed with her overnight and my dad was able to to be her husband not essentially a number one carer and um yeah. it was in, you know such a wonderful place so special and um so yeah mum passed away early feb we organized her funeral for end of feb um yeah. which just did you know as you would do planning any funeral we 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 had the church was packed you know it was so wonderful seeing so many friends and family's faces as we walked into the church and it just felt like everyone's arms around me and our family um which was such a comfort really and we giving mum that funeral was such a big part of the whole grieving process for us all but then months later sort of lockdown yeah and that that was taken away from so many people that ability to have the, that sort of closure and the, the funeral that they wanted for people and my heart just went out to all those families that that couldn't do that and we felt grateful that we we could do that for mum um yeah. 
almost lucky but not lucky <laughs> as well I know it's a um, very very strange um, circumstance so um but at the same point very tough for you guys as well because you'd mm. only just you'd only just lost your mum and then you had to go into lockdown so even though you'd had that time to to sort of take into account everything that was happening and and obviously process, go through the funeral and start to process everything a month still isn't a, a significant amount of time and so obviously there was you there was your your dad there was your your nana your mum's mum you know and obviously you were suddenly all unable to comfort each other as well i mean that's that's tough yeah and um that uh, i think my gran felt the isolation massively uh, in the beginning of lockdown it was it was awful really and it's a time where you want to be together and comfort mm. each other through this um so yeah it was very very strange and i almost locked my grief up in a box for a bit and put yeah. it on the shelf because everything was coronavirus lockdown rules you know schools closure and so yeah it was um such a strange shift um but as well as my my mum passing away my um husband's granddad unexpectedly passed away a week before mum with a heart attack so that we're all preparing ourselves for for mum's passing and then suddenly we've got this you know other family bereavement and it's just like gosh just wouldn't expect that and then as yeah. lockdown happened um Damien lost his great uncle to coronavirus and it was just this constant sort of roundabout of of grief and and death essentially it was on the news yeah. all the time and so so close to the family as well and um and and also my husband's um father my father-in-law has been diagnosed with similar cancer to my mum at the beginning of the year so he's having chemo now and luckily his his treatment has been um, able to continue through lockdown which I I know is 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 amazing because I hear of a lot of people whose treatment has had to stop because of of coronavirus so yeah you know he's we've essentially got this all to come again at some point yeah. you know so it's it's been um yeah it's it's not been the year i expected 2020 to be that's for sure no no i, I just like i've said to you far i just wish i could erase this year for you in a way you know it's just there's been so so much going on and it's and i think another thing as well because obviously i've seen you going through through a lot of this obviously you know from from a kind of distance in some ways yeah. you know because of lockdown and everything but you know seeing how you've been able well having to to cope with all of this you have to cope with lockdown so the changes of that to suddenly homeschooling two kids um to it 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 just feels like it's been a very very intense mm. year for you and you know you're not just there as it's not just you that you are looking after you are looking after the emotional side of things for your children because yeah. you know they're seeing obviously yes a lot of death this year and that's mm. that's quite intense for them and especially with coronavirus as well and and I think your children at the age is the same as some of mine where they know what that means they know that coronavirus means death yeah. and you know that obviously not to everybody I would be very clear with that as well I don't want to sort of like cause any kind of like confusion about that but you know to a child they're hearing this and they're picking up snippets because we're trying to protect them but you know there's just this intense thing you know and it's it's such a change for them and then you're obviously there for your for your dad for your nana for your brother as well you know you're just you're holding 
everyone's got and your husband and um and obviously you've been doing this as well while Damien's been shift working as well so it's just been you know it's, it's incredible that you've got through this with the, <laughs> Thank you know, the, you. the same the fact that you're here and able to kind of laugh in a sense in some ways it, that's just a huge testament to your to your you know positivity you know I think you must Thank get you. that from your mum definitely you know, I would say definitely. so yeah and your outlook it's brilliant yeah. so I mean thank you so much for being so open about everything um I say you really have had an incredible year and I, I think it's a good thing for our listeners now I'm assuming quite a lot of our listeners will have had you know an experience of somebody close to them dying or different things like that mm. but I think it's important that not everybody will have done you know sometimes we can suddenly I think everyone kind of assumes I think that I think people have experienced death at some point in their life from a young age but that actually isn't really the case you know some people it can be a long time before they experience that so I think it's possibly a good thing if you can maybe tell us in a sense what things felt like when your mum passed away and I know that your parents had some life insurance and kind of like that kind of process of sort of like right mum's passed away when in a sense did the thought of oh well she has life insurance out we made need to put in a claim for that that kind of thing I'm, I'm assuming it's not the first thing that pops into your head maybe <laughs> but it would be yeah um but and also how it felt like the idea of putting that claim forward what what goes through your mind through all of that with her mortgage provider they had uh, some insurance with their mortgage which was able to pay a part of the mortgage payments for mum and dad which helped a lot with um, their financial situation as my dad had to take early retirement to to be mm. sort of mum's full-time carer um and I know that the Macmillan unit at the hospital were a great support to to mum and dad um with any sort of financial concerns and helping them with any forms that needed doing with regards to her um life insurance um it had terminal illness included in that um so she did make contact with them um at the time of the diagnosis um but she she personally didn't want to know her prognosis and we all respected that decision I, I i think that would for me i don't know what i would want to do in that situation either i don't know whether i'd want to know how long i had left to live or not so um yeah it's, it's, i was gonna say that's a very difficult one isn't it because it's that thing of you know i think probably we don't necessarily think of it that way straight away but you know it's that thing of like you want to know if you are able to make the claim on the insurance but you also don't want to know if you're terminally ill and it's it's that really hard kind of balance to it isn't it because if, you, if you're going forward for the claim then you know some people would sort of like say if you're going forward for the claim then you must sort of like think that you're potentially um terminally ill but then it's it's I suppose that's that's really difficult isn't it? because it's such mixed feelings that sorry you you want to know if you can make the claim yeah. but you don't want to know if you're terminally ill and that's that must be such a hard thing to to try and to go through and obviously the the time that you put that claim in until you hear that answer as well I imagine that's a very difficult time period definitely and um so mum said to the insurer look I, I I don't want to know my prognosis obviously it's something that the insurer would need to know um, yeah. um so they said they could contact a consultant um to get the information um from a medical record so she was yep that's fine um so they made contact with them and then got back in touch with mum 
told her that because she was having some new treatment that the claim wouldn't pay out because essentially this new treatment is prolonging her life over 12 months so mum sort of put two and two together and thought okay so if I'm not having this new treatment I'm gonna have less than 12 months to live yeah. and I think she wasn't prepared to be faced with that over the phone yeah you know it, it, in that situation it was it was it, it really hit her really hard yeah. and then the cogs start turning in your head and sort of that positivity that she had it really knocked that massively did they offer any kind of supports or anything after having that conversation or no you know, did, no no i'll say that's a very i don't think that's necessarily a situation where people would you know sorry looking at it from like an insurance point of view yeah. and, and obviously very strange to do that because obviously I, I know you and a new mum a bit as well yeah it's like that thing of like you know i know some people would listen and go right well actually you went for a terminal illness claim so you must have thought that it could have been terminal illness and if they came back and said yes then you would have known anyway that it was potentially less than 12 months that she had left yeah but i don't think people understand the amount of emotional complexity around that just like you know what your mum experienced and also that that thing of being that phone call to say you know essentially well actually you know if you hadn't had this treatment then yes you could make a claim but because you're having this you're going to have another year or so possibly <laughs> yeah. that's that's a very very there's a there's a there's a negative aspect to that conversation. It's a very positive of course, thing to say, yeah. you, know, you know, but there's also a negative connotation in that as well that, right, so what could this have meant? And also, wow, I have a year. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge thing for someone who isn't, I imagine, you know, the person who spoke to possibly wasn't trained as a counsellor or anything like that. That's a huge responsibility to put on that person to tell her and also to have your mum in that situation too of course and she kind of had said to me you know the chap on the phone probably was just reading what was on the screen you know and and yeah. didn't mean any harm in what he was saying at all no, um but I think more compassion and sensitivity around that conversation would have gone a long way really and how that information was delivered to mum yeah could have been better you know so um what we tried to take from that is like you say the positive aspect where okay so you're having this new uh, targeted therapy treatment which is great because she was able to have that and you know it did prolong her life a little bit longer so yeah I think once we'd got over that initial like shock yeah. of that conversation it it, it was you know we, we're back on track really but yeah it it was a, it's a tough one it's always going to be emotional going forward for for claims and stuff like mm. that but i think you know something that we're saying all the time and it, it not just does obviously cure but across the industry it's just that that need to be you know very compassionate and to and i don't think there's any kind of like one size fits all you know somebody may have heard the same thing as your mom and and being okay but mm. it's you know it's understanding that not everyone will be and sometimes there maybe needs to be just a little bit extra done just to to make sure that someone's okay especially as well after those phone phone calls yeah so i know obviously we said you know your mum passed earlier um this year and it was a very very difficult time um for, for you all so 
obviously I know you did go ahead with a, a life insurance claim once your your mum did pass away and um, you did that on behalf of your dad how did it feel and sorry what was the process and everything that you went through for that claim and especially after you'd already had that kind of experience before sort of last year with the the terminal illness sorry claim yeah so um when when mum passed away we sort of set up a HQ in the dining room with all the paperwork and all the various places we needed to contact and obviously contacting the insurer was was one of them um I, I felt a little apprehension calling them because of what mum had had experienced um the year before but you know I, I think I'd got so numb to all these phone calls over the time I was like okay I was treating it like as a, a job essentially like looking thinking right okay I've rung them now I need to ring this person and and just tick, doing a tick list really but I, and then I'd get into the phone call and every now and then I'd really get caught off guard and the emotion would would um sort of wave over me um but I, I must admit the they'd pulled up mum's record and seen that I'd contacted them before yeah um I did feel that there was more compassion there and it felt better you know yeah um and then because they'd contacted a consultant before they did have a lot of information already um which, which helped a little bit um and then yeah it was it was just a case of waiting then for the, the the claim to be made um it I felt like it did take a little bit longer than I thought it would have um knowing as well that they already had a lot of information already I didn't think it would take as long as it did um yeah. and dad was was worried because a lot of the benefits and help with you know financial help had stopped carer's allowance stopped um, disability allowance had stopped mum's sick pay had stopped so uh, suddenly that was all just taken away mm. from him but he still had the the financial concerns to deal with um so it was definitely a sense of urgency was needed yeah. a bit more I think in in that circumstance and it I know it got, it got to the point where we we turned to you Catherine just to get some help yeah me and dad were just so mentally drained exhausted from all these phone calls that the thought of another phone call was just oh we just couldn't face it so we're Mm -hmm. just grateful that you you sort of took the reins for us and it just felt like that pressure was off us a bit and um I know that when you did call them it, it was quite a straightforward phone call, wasn't it? They were like, oh, yes. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was prepared to go up full on Mama Bear with somebody, you know, kind of thing. I was, you know, and yeah, the I rang up and I was just like, you know, very clearly, you know, I was like, what's happening? And uh, they said, oh, let's just check. And then I think they paid it within about, it was about three days later. Um, yeah. Which was just incredible. But I have to say the the look on your dad's face obviously it was the first time I'd met him properly um you know I think we'd met each other you know like at um, his house for like a we did a, a coffee morning I think didn't we or yeah. for, for your mum to raise money for the hospice yeah. as well um but I'd not met him properly properly but this is the first time we'd met each other and obviously not the the most positive of situations but bless him the the sheer relief when I turned around and I just said that it's being paid it just his entire body just mm. 
you know and I remember him crying bless him and it was just like it just absolutely you know getting shivery thinking about I know that's it but it's just, just that weight just lifted off him didn't it and it did the th- knowing and you as well. oh god yeah because obviously I was worried about dad and mm. and just wanted to get that sorted out for him and um yeah I, I think it was just that pressure was just taken off then and already dealing with grief yeah. you don't want to be worrying about no. other things on top of that because it's then it's just a catalyst for a downward spiral I think you know you, they back they it mounts up doesn't it and um it yeah but yeah I was just yeah the, the relief you could just see that so plainly and um he I think he just as soon as that the the claim was 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 paid he straight into the bank paid the mortgage off once he'd got that done it was kind of okay I can deal with or try to deal with coming to terms now with life without mom um so yeah (laughs) I was gonna say it's there's all that emotional side of things as well you know it's not just the person you've not just lost the person you've got all the all that paperwork obviously that I know that you were doing and everything as well and then you've got the finances like you say suddenly lost a significant amount of income he's still got a mortgage to pay I think it still took a couple of months for it to pay even though it was a very clear very clear case of yes this will be a paid claim um and like you say you can't then you can't then move on and sort of like and i'm not saying move on and it's in a sense moving on from your mum but just get to that next stage of being able to write the finances i don't need to worry about that so half of my heart and half of my mind isn't focused upon the finances i can now devote my entire self yeah the process what's happened and truly start to get to a stage where obviously you know he's not going to feel okay but just to a stage where he can just start to become himself again a bit yeah I agree so I know that obviously as well you had some um some of the insurances um that you have obviously through ourselves you've got some valuable benefits that you're able to access and um it's for both you, for, for your husband, Damien, and your children, um, you can access these. Can you tell us a bit more about what that involved following everything that was happening and, in a sense, what, what that meant to you? Yeah, so um, during mum's illness, I w- was thinking, how am I going to relay this to the kids? That was my main concern at, at, yeah. at the time. Um, I mean, we we did tell them that she had cancer and she was having treatment because we're all so close. She, she, they were going to see the physical side mm. effects of, of the, the treatment. And um, I wanted them to know as much as I possibly could tell them without yeah. scaring them. And I think that's a really fine line. So through one of my policies, um, I had the benefit of uh, the Red Ark nurses and um, I rang my insurance provider they very quick to um get in touch with red arc and and one of the nurses called me back um quite soon and obviously knew a little bit about why i was calling and my main purpose was for the kids really and um yeah. I, knowing how much experience and information materials they had that they were going to give me the best advice possible and guide help me guide me through um 
the the, the, the process really and um that yeah they were incredible um they sent out some really beautiful books for the kids um for them to write down their memories of their grandma and reading material for me um but then as the phone calls went on it it suddenly dawned on me that I needed this as well yeah you know I think I'm so consumed with making sure everyone else is okay that they could identify that I needed this as well and with the build-up to the funeral and um things like that you know that they were really there to support me through that and um yeah the the care and compassion that I could feel down the phone was amazing and um I I remember I sent the nurse who I was talking to at the time the order of service um for my mum's funeral because I felt so connected with her and, and and she did with me and yeah it was it was so lovely to have that support and and they almost know when to ring you it's so strange if I'm feeling down um yeah I get a phone call I recognize the the area code uh it's it's from the red arc and I'm like oh thank goodness they're calling me because I really need this right now and um yeah it's been incredible um and it's made me realize I need to take more care of myself mentally as well it really has um and now they have paired me up with a independent counselor which is great i'm having i've just started doing that now online and knowing that they know me they've able to sort of pair me up with the right person as well whereas if i was going out on my own looking for a counselor i don't know how comfortable i would feel just contacting somebody and and trying yeah. to make that connection um I feel like they've really got to know me and my situation and al- already after two sessions of counseling I, f- I feel really connected with the counselor which is a huge part of of that r- process okay. isn't it yeah to, to open up so um and I think speaking to somebody outside of the family network it is is better you know because I don't want to burden any of my other family members with with my even though you know we do talk a lot we're very close but um we're all grieving as well you know Mm. in our own way so yeah it's it's been brilliant and I'm just so amazed that this has come with my my policy and I tell people all the time I'm like (laughs) you know this it's amazing so it sounds like you know like a big thing as well there just from, from what you say because I know what you like as well just knowing you and how much you sort of like just constantly going you know you just never ever stop and <laughs> yeah. I think that thing of them calling you you know every now and then you know, I'm really glad that they do that because you know even me I can think right that's brilliant because it's going to make Lindsay think about herself because you do, you are constantly doing stuff for everybody all the time. And I know that if anybody ever asks you anything, that you'll just put a big smile on your face and go, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, and you want to be helpful. Yeah. And, you know, at some point it's that doing that. And I think that lovely thing of, you know, I'd not thought of that before when you said about how they paired you up with somebody and how that kind of gives you that confidence, you know, to sort yeah. of think, well, actually this person's kind of been hand selected for me. Yeah. And 
yeah, it's just an extra extension to that oh, it support really that just sounds incredible. Yeah, I'm bowled over really that, wow, this is actually in with my policy, you know, my, my yeah. policy, you, you, you get an insurance policy for, for sort of one reason, to protect yeah. yourself and your family and the things you love. And, you know, that for that benefit to come with it and you're not paying any extra yeah. on top, you know, it, it's amazing. That's why I, I sort of want to shout it from the rooftops and tell everyone <laughs> that these, Absolutely. You know, and, and also to check as well, check, check your policies are they already there you're unaware of them um absolutely like for my husband he he has a similar policy where he he can access red arc and i, I do say to him you know it's there for you as well you know yeah. if you need that further down the line so yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's helping a lot Good. I'm really, really glad to hear that. And obviously as well, just thinking of it time frame, just, you know, because we know it and we're, we're seeing it all the time. But for people who are listening, you know, this is six to seven months worth of support. That's support materials for the children, for you, you know, for that regular contact, just to make sure that you're okay to then setting you up with a counsellor. That's that's all there. It's not paid extra. You know, it's, it's yeah. all stuff that is just there to be able to access when you need it. So, so you are going to be doing something quite incredible shortly. Um, I'm always um, sort of like, again, in awe of all the things you do. This industry literally never, ever stops. So do you want to tell everybody what you are due to be doing? I think it's next month, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. So I, me and my brother decided that we would do the Great North Run this year for our local hospice, St. Catherine's Hospice in Scarborough. Um, but obviously it's had to be cancelled um so I thought well do you know what I might just do it anyway <laughs> I might just Why do not? it anyway and um do it at home obviously um uh, locally so there are a, a group of other people um who live live nearby me that that want to do the the run as well that day so yeah there's going to be a, a, a little group of us going out and doing the half marathon so um yeah I've set up a just giving page because I mean my, like I say my heart just went out to, to families going through similar situations to myself in yeah. lockdown like the thought of not being able to be close to mum at the hospice or you know I was able to hold a hand I could kiss a face you know I didn't have to wear a mask yeah. and gloves and I think that I, I, I needed that for me and to know I was there for her, um, you know, to, right to the end. And oh, I just think all these families that have had to go through such an already traumatic and difficult time to then have, you know, these rules and regulations of, of coronavirus and with the hospice losing funding through their charity shops being closed, events being cancelled yeah. immediately you know I just thought I need we need to do something we need we need to show them the same support that they showed us so I will be doing the half marathon on the 13th yeah. of September um yeah I've been trying to get out running it's a bit hard when my husband works away with the kids I did I did drag yeah. the kids out last night actually <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a great run but I oh, yeah, exactly. You did it. You did it. Good for you. I mean, the thing is, again, just absolutely incredible that you're just you're being able at the moment to channel everything into such a positive thing into support. Obviously, the hospice, and we'll put 
of the links to the hospice and everything in our uh, sort of like in our podcast kind of outreach and stuff so if anybody um, is able to offer any kind of support you know that would be absolutely incredible for for Lindsay and obviously for the for local St Catherine's Hospice which are they are an incredible support service in our local area. We're sort of we're in the Scarborough Filey area in North Yorkshire. And I have to say, we don't have the access to the lots and lots of um, medical support services no. and things like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was nothing like what you'd get if you were in a city. Um, but uh, yeah, they are something that's they've been in our area for decades and the amount of people they've supported is just yeah. absolutely incredible i think is you just never you never know when you're going to need them we certainly didn't yeah. think we would need them in you know as a family and just so grateful that they're there Brilliant. Well, obviously, good luck with it. Now, thank you. We weren't sure whether or not to do a truth or lie feature, but um, yeah, I think you uh, you quite like the idea of doing one, didn't you? I did. So, <laughs> so we will do our truth or lie feature again, sort of like to start to to close up the the episode. So, Lindsay, would you like to say what your truth or lie is, please? Okay, my truth or lie is that my office nickname, Cura, is Tigger. And my truth or lie is that my office nickname is Caketon. So thank you everyone for listening and thank you, Lindsay, for joining me. It's it's been really obviously lovely. It's always it's lovely to speak to you, but just also to get that message out there about everything that in a sense that you've been going through, how incredibly you've been through this time, and also, you know, obviously all these extras that you've been able to to access that have really, really supported you. I'm going to be back in two weeks with Alan Knowles from Cura and we're going to be talking through a mix of case studies based arranged insurance for people that are considered to have been a high risk. We're also going to be chatting about his role as the chair of the PDG and his membership of the Access to Insurance Working Group. If you'd like a reminder of the next episode, please drop me a message on social media or visit the website www.practical-protection.co.uk and don't forget that if you have been listening uh, you can claim a CPD certificate on the website for this too. Thank you Lindsay. Thanks Catherine. Bye. Bye.